phones, maybe you have a Bible or you want to follow along on the screens, we're going to be reading Colossians 1, 27 through 29. It says, God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We will proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. Will you all pray with me? Father, as Kyle comes up here and we begin to just dive into your word, I just pray that you reveal yourself this morning. Whatever you want to speak to us, you want to lead us to, whatever you want to present to us, we just pray that you continue to reveal the mystery uh, that is made known in Jesus and that we're able to see you, hear you presently this morning because you are alive and active amongst us. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. We are a family here, and it is tough to see when someone just comes ill or is stricken with sickness and uh, just they have to leave the family gathering. And, and one of the comments uh, th this morning was almost, I, I don't want people to be able to see me this way. And let me communicate here this morning. This is the perfect place to be seen that way. This, this is the place where we want to be able to, just as we did this morning, even before service, to, to lay hands on and to pray for healing and hope. Because that is what's so desperately needed in this world. You are loved and you are not forgotten. And that is what Generations Church is built on and around. Psalms 22 starts out by saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And by the end of that psalm, the psalmist has the hope and the confidence in the Lord to write. And generations to come will know the name of the Lord and what he has done. And Paul's passage that he is writing to the Colossian church this morning has been building to this series of verses. That this good news that God has not forgotten his people. That you are loved and not forgotten. And that he wants to work in you and through you. That good news, as we know, that came in Jesus, is to be made known. And it's been made known to us. And that's what this series has been building to as we've looked at Colossians chapter 1. We're in a world of faulty maps. We see what Paul says about the map that can be known and followed. And that map, to state plainly, that map is Jesus. Captain George DeLong set a course for the North Pole and crashed because he hoped that there would be a warm North Polar Sea beyond that initial ice cap. And it led to a devastation wreck, and his crew, many died. And instead of reaching his destination, Captain George DeLong ran into the rocks of reality. He ran into that hardened ice that the North Pole is surrounded by. And every day we are surrounded by people who are in search of the meaning of life, community, and purpose. And the map they are using cannot adequately guide them. And right out of this section, Paul has used himself as an illustration, as an example, to continue to describe his role within the world, to help people understand there's an accurate map that can be followed as we navigate our roles and our lives within 
the world. And the reason Paul uses the example of himself prior to our passage in Colossians chapter 1 is to make this point to the Colossians, is that God uses us to expand his family. God uses his people, the people who trust and follow Jesus, to expand the family, which means God is going to use us to communicate that there are faulty maps in this world and that there is a right map that is worthy to be followed. Now, I'd say that. Now, here's an example of what I mean by that. Every week, chances are you can find me in probably the Starbucks over here at least a couple times. And this week, I was sitting at one of the long tables. I had just finished meeting with one of the, the team members on our team. And I, and I was, could not help but overhear the conversation next to me between this couple. And they were talking about just life and stuff, and they were catching up, and they were friends, and uh, you, you get going. And, and then they had overheard another conversation of some guys that I sit with regularly and consistently, and they were talking about politics and religion and the, the Pope and who won the game over the weekend. And, you know, just, just shooting the breeze, and they're talking, they're talking. And finally... Uh, one of the, the ladies, she, she humbly submits forward and goes, yeah, she's like, I, I wasn't quite understanding what those guys were saying because I'm just, I'm just trying to follow, follow Jesus. And at that moment, the gentleman slams his fist down and says, man, I don't know why you would do that because this is what I think about religion and faith. And he, he presents to go on uh, just this in this tirade, and his, his, again, I can hear him because his voice is getting louder and louder and louder and louder. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I'm a pastor sitting next to these people. And should, should, I, should, I, should I go like, hey, do you, do you, do you want to talk to a pastor about this? But, but I wasn't invited into conversation. I, I will admit I pulled my Bible out of my bag and was just like set it next to the stuff I was doing the work on. And, and I was like, and I just listened because, again, I'm not invited to the conversation, but this is a loud conversation, so I, so I can hear. And he just goes on to, dis- to basically explain his thinking of the church and religion and following Jesus. And, and what happened to, this, to, the, to the lady he was talking to is she goes from a posture of, I'm just trying to follow Jesus, to by the end of the conversation, she's nodding her head and going, I almost think you're right, but you can sense this reservation and hesitancy in her. And what ultimately what this guy explains is how he's got all these kind of religious relics, even just around his house, even though he's railing on it. And he talks, he talked about this one picture of, of Jesus on the wall. And what I kind of summed up at the end of that conversation, and this, this is the point of the story, is when we leave Jesus on the walls in our homes and in the walls of our life and not actually engaged with, we won't actually get to know the real Jesus. Every example that he presented, every example or critique was devoid of any type of relationship. And yet you had this woman here in this moment saying, I'm, I'm trying to read my Bible. I'm trying to follow Jesus. And I just wanted to stand up and applaud her because that's what it's about. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together. You don't even have to be able to answer every single claim that the person across from you wants to levy about you, about faith or religion or following Jesus. My plea to you is simply, humbly and willingly, 
begin to follow Jesus and do so by reading your Bible. And then maybe in opportunities like that, as you continue to do that, you will pre present an option, present a direction that says Jesus is worth following. See, when we leave Jesus on the walls of our life and uninvited into our life, we will be unable to identify the faulty maps that attempt to guide us off course. And ultimately, and even what, as I just discerned and reflected on some of this conversation, it's a Jesus that you make look more like what you want rather than the Jesus providing the map that leads you to the very thing you are searching for, which is Jesus himself. See, God has been working a plan to rescue and redeem. And the question was not, is God going to rescue and redeem? Will he bring renewal into our life? Because God wants to. And throughout the Old Testament scriptures, there's a story that's building. The, the one question left unanswered was not, will God? Or when will God? Because they even, they even had some of that. But it's, how will God exactly do it? How would God fulfill his promise of rescue and renewal? And Paul describes this how as the profound mystery that we see here in his letter to the Colossians. And this mystery is made known in the person and work of Jesus. And this was mystery was something that was previously unknown, but is revealed by God in Christ and through the power of the Spirit and is open to us all. See, Jesus stepped out of heaven and came and walked on this earth, lived perfectly the life that we cannot live, and died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins and reunite us to God, and then was resurrected three days later so that the life that he now lives right with God, we can, through faith, have access to. And it's even as I say that, that may seem like, that, that seems kind of odd. That seems like a mystery. It seems almost too good to be true. That the life, the perfect life that Jesus lived is in exchange for the life that I live, that I know I don't get everything right. That I make mistakes, that I willingly sometimes choose to do things contrary to God's will. That life can be exchanged for Jesus' life. And that's the good news, and it's a mystery because it almost seems too good to be true until you start to follow Jesus, until you start to live it, and still you start to get to know Jesus, and you realize that He is the hope. He is the answer. He is the one who loves and provides peace and a hope, and eventually the map that helps us navigate this world well. Jesus enables the Gentiles to be part of the family through faith. And that word may seem a little strange if you look back in our passage. And Paul says, God wanted to make known among the Gentiles. Basically, these Gentiles are non-Jews because God, again, starts with one family and says, be my representatives on this earth of what it looks like to be in right relationship with me. But there was a period of time where everyone had to become a Jew to be in that right relationship with God until 
Jesus where that relationship, that access to the family is open to all. And so what was once given to Abraham as intended to be a blessing to the nations is finally fully underway in Paul's mission to the Gentiles, to all, to say, you have access to God, you can be a part of the family. That's why we talk around Generations Church about story over sin, because it doesn't matter your background, it doesn't matter your upbringing, it doesn't matter what you've done before. You're invited into the story of God. You can be a part of his forever family. And God will create and write a new story in you that doesn't just forget your past, but redeems it and takes your past, takes what you've been through in the past and makes it so that he can make himself known through you to the others in your life, to the people in your world who may have gone through the same thing, gone through the same thing and said, you are not forgotten. Here's how God is working that. And again, I don't know how all the dots will get connected. I just know that God is faithful to fulfill his promises because he did it with Jesus. So much so, the presence of God no longer needs to be mediated in a temple, but is now we have free access to. And Paul wants that free access through our faith in Jesus to be made known, so much so that he is willing to suffer so that others will come to know that reality. And not only that, but that as they begin to apply the way of Jesus in every area of their life, they will begin to experience a sort of renewal that I think our hearts long for. So the presence of Christ among the Colossians is ground for their hope of life in the age to come. So this mystery is clarity around Jesus. And the mystery is a plan of God to expand the people of God to include everyone. And so we see and we look at Jesus. And if you go back and just you're looking at Colossians 1 right now, and you're thinking through, go back and look at Colossians 1, 15 through 20, and it paints a very clear picture of who Jesus is and how we've been reconciled, how we go from alienation to connection. But here's the difficulty, is even while that's presented and even can be made clear, Even though it's been disclosed, we only partially grasp it. Because part of following Jesus is being able to apply his will and his way to every aspect of our lives. And we don't do that perfectly on the first time. It's we're able to look at our lives in a very honest take and say, okay, my work life, my family life. Maybe it's, maybe it's your sexuality. Maybe it's the habits that you have. Maybe it's your morning routine. Maybe it's how you interact with your past. The goal is to look honestly at Jesus, who he is and what he has done. And begin to say, okay, if Jesus was a person of love, if he was a person of justice, if he is a person of holiness, how, do I, how does that come to reality in all of these different aspects of our life. My kids were watching Scooby-Doo the other day. And it's so funny because 
uh, it was it was a newer episode and I hadn't seen, but I, I heard uh, Fred, Vilma, and like Shaggy and Scooby and Daphne. It was it was as they were talking about this mystery that they were trying to solve. What I heard Fred say is he says, "Guys, we know on the other side of that mask, on the other side of that monster, is a person. We don't know who the person is. That's why we're here to solve the mystery. We just know on the other side of that." There is a person, and they had to go on a journey to figure out who it is. We are invited to a similar type of journey. We know on the other side of this life is an eternity, as a new heaven and a new earth. When we have our faith in Jesus, we know that he is worth following, and we learn that, and we know that, and we can have assurance in that if we're willing to go on a journey and discover how he wants to change how he wants to challenge us, even how he wants to comfort us as we pursue him. We have to apply the good news of Jesus to every aspect of our life. And it begins with God's people. That we are identified with our representative Christ and how that new identity gives hope for the future. That's why Paul says, This glorious wealth of this mystery is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Our world is so desperately looking for hope. They're looking for some substance, something to to cling on to when it just feels like it can't quite be grasped. And the mystery is made known when we apply Jesus in our life because people will see The hope they are searching for is the free access to God, which is Christ in us, providing that hope of glory to others. So it begins with God's people. Christ dwells within the people of God, the church corporate, through the Spirit, but also through the believers. And I said two things there. It's it's individuals as you interact, but it's also the church especially as we head into 2020. I don't know any other type of community that can be a people of different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different beliefs, even different politics, yet show up in the same room and say, we worship one Lord, one Savior Jesus, and that person, they may believe slightly differently, they, they may come different background, different experience, but they're my brother, they're my sister, they're my family, and I will go to war, I will go to battle with them, I will be on their side when they need it. I will give up of my own finances, my own time, for them, because Christ has formed a new family. There's only one place I know of in this world, and that's the church. And I pray that generations is a place where that is true over and over and over again. And we're going to be confronted in, this, in some ways, like that lady was confronted in that Starbucks. And will we have enough resolve? And enough courage to say, my only hope, my only trust is Jesus. And I want to follow him. And I want you to know that same hope. Would you follow him with me? Would you go on that journey to discovery how that mystery applies in your life and in my life?
to the relationship between Christ and his followers is greater and deeper and higher. Because it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And no other religion speaks of the relationship between its leader and its followers that way. This is a spiritual union between Christ and the church. We are in Christ and Christ is in us. And this union binds us together in ways that is confusing and sometimes seems like a mystery. But the indwelling presence of the life giver king resides in each of us and makes us one into Christ is a powerful way to see renewal and transformation in our world. And it's still a mystery to others. But God wants to make known this mystery to all. And he chooses us to make it known. Paul's work was empowered by God's mighty strength. It wasn't his effort or, or all he tried, but, but Paul did try. He, he did put in effort. But ultimately, it was empowered by God's mighty strength. And this is true for everyone. Again, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have it all figured out. You're not even sure, you don't even have to fig- know how all the dots connect. But if you simply follow and revisit who Jesus is and what he has done for you, that self-sacrifice and that love, and say, okay, how do I, how do I apply that to my, to my finances? How do I apply that to my sexuality? How do I apply that to my relationships? How do I apply that to my workplace? You will experience and people will see a power and a courage that brings transformation. And this is true for everyone. And part of the deception of false teachers here in Colossae, what they are pushing back against this message is saying, oh, yeah, that that may sound good, but it can only be understood by a select few. And let me say again what John said before I spoke, that we are everyday people. This message, this empowerment, this hope is not for just the pastors. This is not just for those who sing the song. This empowerment can come to bear and be in your life on that Tuesday afternoon, on that Thursday morning, and that Friday when you feel like, I ah, just a few more hours and the weekend is here. It can give you the strength to be the presence of Christ right where he has placed you. When you have a relationship with Jesus and relationships with people, They will see the character and priority of Jesus in you. And you may not even know how that's going to come out. But people will see that. And here's the truth. You don't need me in that coffee shop with you when someone starts going to town on some of your beliefs. Because you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. You have Christ in you. He will give you the words. He will give you the strength. Will you... Believe it. Will you believe in Jesus? That it's not the word from the pastor that's going to give you the right word to say to your friend, but it's the word of Jesus. And it's the word that as you know it, and as you begin to live it, that is what's going to make the difference. Not an apologetic word from a pastor on a Sunday morning. 
And you will be able to discern the longing and the lies and live according to the map that leads to peace and purpose. James K.A. Smith sums it up this way. To be human is to be for something. To be human is to be directed towards something, oriented toward something. To be human is to be on the move, purposing something, after something. We are not just static containers for ideas. We're dynamic creatures direct toward some end. And we can help people be directed towards the right end. That's Jesus. And this map, Jesus, reveals and leads us in fullest display. It's just a picture of a man gasping for breath upon a cross, just days before rising to walk out of the tomb. Jesus did that for us. He loves us. He has not forgotten of it. And that act is what proves it to proves to us. The first people to reach the North Pole were Frederick Cook and two Inuit men. On April 21st, 1908, unlike George DeLong, they didn't try to sail there. They were well aware that there was no open polar sea. Instead, after this arduous journey across the ice, they arrived on foot, stocked with provisions they needed to achieve their goal. When you compare DeLong's expedition to Cook's, you find that all of these men exhibited similar character traits. They were brave and courageous, ready to persevere through the worst circumstances. Why then did Cook make it to the North Pole when DeLong did not? It wasn't because Cook was braver than DeLong, but because Cook had a better understanding of the terrain he would encounter. Therefore, Cook had the provisions he needed for the long trek across the ice. DeLong did not. No matter how strong these men were, one crew made plans and took into account what was really there, while the other made plans based on what they hoped to find. There's an important lesson for us here. We can be courageous yet still be wrong about the world. We can be brave yet still perish. We can be a strong and determined person, but on a path to destruction. Sincerity, as good as a quality as that may be, cannot ultimately save us. So what does faithfulness to Jesus look like in a world where everyone has a different map, a different idea about what life is all about and the best route to take towards that destination? A world in which people seem to think sincerity is all that matters, that it doesn't matter what map you have as long as you think you're right. Even more, how can we be faithful when so many Christians have faulty maps as well. And here we join with Paul in being prepared for the journey, recognizing that it's Christ in us. It's not us knowing or proclaiming a certain set of skills. It is resist, it's, it's resisting the world and reapplying the message that we are included in God's family because of Jesus. That we didn't deserve it and we didn't earn it. And then as we begin to follow, knowing that we will face some hostility, knowing that we will face some suffering, the mystery has been made known for what it looks like to be human in a world and a right relationship with God. And that's Jesus.
And we can live in this world as if we know that behind every monster is a man. But because behind us, there's a man. And his name is Jesus. And as we follow him, as I say again and again, we will be able to apply his love and his grace, his truth and his justice to these different areas. We repeat some version of rhetoric that the point of life is to enjoy God and glorify him. But our actions often reveal another map that has captured our imaginations. We give the right answer but sail the wrong way. And even worse, sometimes we hoist the Christian sail over a boat that's being directed by a mythical map. And sometimes we use Christianity in order to go where we don't want to go. So what is our North Pole? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. The mystery that has been made known is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And our aim as Generations Church is that of Paul. is to reiterate this again and again. So that when we labor and when we strive, we recognize that it's Christ's work in us. So that others will reach that destination, mature in Christ. Just as Paul says that his aim is. And we have to do this by coming back to who Jesus is, to who he was, and what he is going to do in our life again and again. And so we want to show the world a different map. So the focus is not being true to yourself or on self-happiness like we've talked about in prior weeks, but on loving and being true to God and neighbor. Seeing your life as a journey which can be rescued from your fallenness, not affirmed in it. To see your life as a journey in which you recognize the great mystery of Christ in you. Embracing a vision of who God is making you to be. The hope of glory. And you have access to that today. You are someone in this room who has listened to me talk about Christ in you. And that seems foreign and that seems distant. And you even, maybe you're a believer this morning and you feel like God's at a distance right now. We have our hope in Jesus because he welcomes us back. Because he says you're never too far gone and you can be part of a family that loves you and pray for you and will want to see you apply Jesus' teachings to bring you to maturity so that as you journey, you can finish well. You are loved. You have not been forgotten. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let me pray. Father, I pray right now that you just stir some hearts and some souls. Father, right now, I just pray that this profound mystery that seems sometimes foggy and disconnected from everyday life, Father, that you make it crystal clear who you are. That as we interact with others around this room, as we gather, that we see something that says, that's Jesus. That's Jesus in them. Father, I pray you make that crystal clear. 
Father, I pray that we can live inspired throughout the week and point people to you. That we ourselves move towards maturity in every aspect of our lives. Thank you for your love and for your grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.